Hey everybody, how you doing today? Um, kind of a early week um, random live and I was uh, super interested to do this because I know that Sergio and Chris discussed this and and when I did my research on it, um, I learned quite a lot of things that I didn't know about this app. So today I have um, Adam Warner who is the head of the US operations for InDrive, uh, prior, previously InDriver. Um, Adam, welcome. Wonderful to be here, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. Look yeah. forward to our conversation for sure. Yeah. So let's see. InDrive um, founded in 2013. I, I I caught one discrepancy that was, I just want to, I'm, I'm very transparent. So I just want to be very clear because it, it's not a big deal, but it was kind of, it just was odd. So on your website, it says 700 cities, 45, 45 countries, but on the app stores, it says 600 cities and 48 countries. So less cities, but more countries on the app store. <laughs> I don't know why. It definitely seems like something we need to, to fix for sure. 700 cities plus for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got it, right? Like I said, you've got it as 45 countries, but both the app stores have it as 48 fun. I, I, you know, <laughs> nothing but opportunities for me to take away. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Love it. We'll definitely pass that feedback on. Get that well, I mean, correct. and that's, and that's the thing. I mean, maybe it, maybe it has changed since you guys wrote the 40. I mean, I find it interesting when, you know, cause those who know, know that like Lyft is in one country. I mean, yep. you know, it's, I mean, we have DD and some other ones, but for those that don't know, um, InDrive is the second most downloaded, um, rideshare app in the world so worldwide it goes over dd it goes over some of these other ones that are trying to operate even here in the united states um and some of the ones down in south and central america and whatnot that are pretty big but you guys are a big rideshare company and yet fairly new to the u.s market completely new yeah we're, okay. <laughs> we're the largest rideshare company that you've never heard of for sure right yeah, exactly. So yeah. can you, I mean, can you walk us through the timeline of like, you know, where it launched, you know, yeah. what country, what city, um, you know, what took you so long to get to the U.S.? Um, what are the plans for rolling out into more cities? Yeah, it, really extensive um, background and history. So the company was founded in a small town in Siberia. And so mm -hmm. essentially the short version of the story was the taxi company in that small city um, decided to band together and they kind of created their own surge pricing before surge pricing became a thing. They said, hey, all everybody's out drinking. They're going to need rides. It's really cold outside. So if we raise our rates, everybody is forced to pay it. Um, so that's what they did. And it really outraged the community. So Indra basically started from like a Facebook group saying, hey, I'm going from point A to point B. Is there anybody willing to, to sit there and take me on that journey? Um, and that's really kind of how it started. And then they fast forward 10 plus years later, they've kind of taken that same type of model that they did in that small Siberian town um, and started to apply it into a lot of emerging markets. So that's really where InDrive started, like not these developed countries like the United States, not like in Europe, et cetera. Um, where can we go where we can kind of challenge injustice and kind of create a more fair and equitable system? 
for the people that are kind of doing this work every single day, day in and day out. Um, and so that's kind of the heart and the root of our founder, um, really what he tried to, to strive for every single day. So um, that's a little bit how it started. Um, you know, Uber is still definitely one of the, the big players in the game, um, but we've definitely kind of transitioned to a, a little bit different model um, to really try to help improve the ride sharing community um, in general. Now, why did it take so long to get to the United States? Well, um, you know, the United States is a very interesting market. And, and obviously, um, it, it's just one of those circumstances where there's a lot of regulations, there's a lot of rules in place. Mm -hmm. And so kind of navigating through those in a fair and equitable way in order to create a right value proposition for both the passengers and the drivers um, is a little bit difficult, as you probably know, as you've talked about on your show um, several times over in some of the clips that I've uh, been able to, to watch and see. Um, and I'm sure that we'll get into that and love to engage that conversation if you want to. Um, but we're, we're now big enough and strong enough um, to be able to try to bring this model to the United States. And, and look, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things for me to continue to work on, a lot of opportunities. I need to be really cognizant of some of the mistakes that have happened in the past in the, the ride sharing game um, so that we can try to be better. I'm definitely going to make mistakes, um, but I'm here to try to be open minded, listen, take feedback and try to apply that every single day. So the cities you are in, you're, I know you're in Miami. In Miami, yeah. What What else? Where else is a footprint right now? So like we launched in Miami in July of 23. So we got that kicked off, really kind of trying to hone in like some of the, the opportunities that exist in working in this marketplace working out all of the kinks. So we definitely had an expansion plan um, and we wanted to get to a couple more cities by the end of the year, but we definitely paused that because we were getting feedback. Um, and I do think that it's vitally important to get it right the first time as best we can. I, I understand that, you know, all of your community that's, that's watching, that's currently driving in, in South Florida, um, you know, I'm definitely appreciative and, and thankful for all of the hard work that they do. Um, but yeah, like we're, we're, we're testing, we're trying to learn what works, what doesn't work. Um, and so going through that process is really kind of helping us lean into what our future expansion plans in the United States um, looks like in 24. And that's definitely what we're looking to accomplish this year. I'm, hard like, to work. I'm, I'm just curious, like, is, is, and I know to some people this might sound ridiculous, but I would guess in the current situation that California is not even on your radar. <laughs> Just I'm being honest. I mean, I know it's, it's a huge market, but it's such yeah. a mess. Like it's it's very it's very difficult. It, it's very difficult to just be in this business just in general, and mm. and like trying to learn and bob and weave and understand uh, the, you know, the different legislations that come out and the different points of view, 
Um, everybody has what they think is the right answer to kind of regulate this industry. And so trying to kind of understand all of those little nuances that every state has, because every state has something similar to what California is, might not be to, you know, um, the scale of the, the population and the rideshare market in general there. But um, it, it's definitely California is interesting. I will tell I mean, you. I mean, I know it's a market you guys would want to be in. Absolutely. But for like, volume, but like, but just the like, headaches of being there seem. Well, when you're when you're dealing with rideshare at that kind of scale, you know, you want to make sure that everything is buttoned up and you're ready to go. And so, I I think more so, me wanting that is my ultimate desire and kind of build momentum to go into a, a place like California after already having some successful um, expansion launches in some several other states, I, I feel um, is really kind of the right strategy for us kind of going forward. So can you, let's, let's walk through how this works. Cause I'm all about transparency. Um, in fact, I work on, you know, most of the apps I work these days are what I call the off brand apps. Um, you know, not, not the main, not the main, not the main ones. I've, I've worked all the main ones, but I'm sick of that crap. Um, and so I do a lot of curry. I do a lot of other things that are very, that are hundred percent transparent up front. I make more money. There's a little more work involved, but I'd rather everything be above the board. I'm an independent contractor before the gig economy even began. I've been doing production work since the late nineties. Um, so I understand all of that. And one thing I always hated about the gig economy, the app based was the fact that everybody's trying to hide whatever they can. Yeah. And it's, it just, it, you know, and then these programs that like, I hate, you know, it, it always has to be DoorDash that I pick on the most because they have these tier levels and these acceptance rates that matter and all these things that you're not supposed to be able to use as tools against independent contractors. And they've not only have they never bowed down with those, they've made them worse. Top Dash or Diamond Elite, you know, it's like, come on, guys. And then acceptance rating, you got to be over 50, you got to be over 70, you got to be like that. You know, that's not how it works. If an offer looks crappy, that's why there's not supposed to be an acceptance rating. If you want to make everybody employees, that's a different conversation. But Completely. but for a transparent, independent contractor, there should be no AR. So I'm assuming that because I understand how yours works, but I want to I want you to tell us like from the driver's end, how does this work? All right. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, transparency is hypercritical. I think in terms of just gaining the trust of the community, both passengers and drivers. But how does it work for a driver? So I'm currently in Atlanta, Georgia right now. And so if I wanted to drive for InDrive, um, obviously the same same simple rules, we, we, we go through background checks, we go through all of the, the very similar aspects that other gig economy apps go through. Um, you, and once you, just, you, get, you use Checker, I imagine. Like, you know, they're they're obviously big, but we're continuing to look at the people who are expanding in that space. Mm -hmm. to make it a little bit more streamlined like that that's definitely an operational challenge that uh, i think that we all are faced with but after you get through all of that fun stuff you're ready to drive you turn on your app um, and that's when the rides begin and so what it will look like for the driver is that anybody that's looking for a ride in your general vicinity and so we kind of set up some geo fences around wherever your current location is obviously for eta purposes um, and so let's say that somebody's about a mile away from me, um, maybe two people. 
you will see in your queue that two people are wanting a ride and here's where they're going. They're gonna, this one is going to the airport. This one's going to Midtown Atlanta. This one is willing to pay $30 to, to do that ride. This one is willing to pay 20. So you see it. And so you get to choose uh, the, the passenger, number one, but then you can also choose and negotiate with the passenger and said, hey, you know what? Um, it's rush hour traffic. Um, I know that it's going to it's going to take me a little bit longer to execute this airport ride. So I'm definitely willing to do it for thirty five dollars. Um, and so but the negotiations are OK. The, the negotiations are OK. Absolutely. OK. A and so you can come back and say, I'm willing to do it for thirty five. You're setting the marketplace as a driver. I want all the drivers to be able to value their time, effort, and labor because that's what is happening in this in this whole this whole uh, you know ride sharing um, economy. So I want to give that freedom of choice to the driver in any way that I possibly can. So I want you to see how much it is. We're, we're transparent on uh, you know our our fees we're transparent in what you're going to take home um, and you ultimately get to set the price on what you're willing to do that particular ride for is your are your fees static or dynamic like ubers i mean are they do you have like an entry level processing fee but or just a just a static one across the board do you have a is it 10 percent you're taking is it you know because we know how uber works and it's not okay yeah, I, yeah, I, we can we can definitely get in from a transparency standpoint. Like currently in the United States, and I'm working really hard to keep it this way. I don't want it to be dynamic. I want you to know immediately what it's going to be, regardless if you take the thirty dollar trip, or if you take the twenty dollar trip, if you take the ten dollar trip. Um, so those those fees are they're, they're broken up into two. They're, they're broken up into our commission, which is 9.99%, so 10%. And then the other 20% goes to payment processing fees, commercial insurance, all of the other fees. So that 30% is taken right from the, you know, that top line. That's it. It isn't you know, what was kind of announced um, you know, earlier this week. You know, we're not taking it off and then taking our cut. So it's all transparent. It's 30%. That's what it is right now. That's the the hopes and goals and dreams that I'm working hard to attain. Okay. So I see that I have a question here from already before I mean moving forward. Um, and this one kind of this baffles me because yeah. I under, see I understand as an independent contractor that it is my job to handle my business. It is my job to know what I'm doing, to be insured properly, to do to do to handle my business how I want, but I also know that it's up to me to use any tools I want. However, Uber and Lyft won't let me use any tools I want. So they limit my toolbox to what they say is okay and only through the app. So I can't use external third-party apps that help me. I can't I can't do those type of things that independent you're not supposed to be interfered with by the by the contracting company at all to be an independent, truly an independent contractor. So this has always been a confusion of mine because I know that legally they don't have to say anything. I was, I was having a discussion about this recently with liquor delivery. 
you know, I told everybody you need to check in your state with the laws because they don't have to tell you. They just assume you're an independent contractor. If you want to deliver liquor, you better look into it and know what you're doing. And therefore, most people are just delivering it without having tip certification or whatever you might need to be delivering alcohol. And all it would take is one instance for your life to be ruined. Completely. So I guess I question, you know, when you when Uber's like, hey, you got insurance, right? Cool. Upload it. I mean, they make you upload it. Mm-hmm. And from that, they can tell 90 plus percent of the drivers don't have the correct insurance. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, no, most drivers don't care. Like I remember back in the day when I started in 2015, yes. I remember that everybody was confused and you didn't want to go to the insurance company. I get it back then because all they had was this one box one size fits all kind of thing you had to carry. And it was like your, your insurance could jump from 200 to a thousand a month. So to have that full commercial insurance, but now they've kind of come up with these gig economy insurance things that are more, are def, definitely way more fair, but Uber and Lyft aren't checking that you have that, that you're properly insured. So how does your, how do you, you compare to Uber and Lyft on how you insure a ride? So, you know, look, this is, I will tell you and be transparent as well. This is the single biggest opportunity that exists in this whole ride sharing game. Like it's, it boils down to insurance and, and being able to kind of understand and navigate this. So I can speak to Florida. Um, you know, every state has certain rules and regulations on what type of commercial insurance that we have to carry and cover anybody that operates on our platform. So when you turn on the app and you start accepting those rides, you are covered by our lined commercial insurance that is within the legal boundary conditions of the place that we're able to operate in. So, I understand kind of the beginning part. Most drivers do not have the correct level of commercial insurance to sit there and really cover their independent contractor work. Like that exists for us as well. On the back end, you are covered because it is a requirement. Like we can't operate. We don't get to play. We don't get to expand. We don't get to do anything if we don't follow and and fit into those rules. So um, it is definitely a challenge um, in terms of trying to understand this from an operation standpoint, but it's, and I understand how confusing it can be for, um, you know, many drivers trying to, to navigate what is what in this category. And I think to answer the question that popped up, um, yeah, it works exactly like Uber and Lyft because it has to, like we have to, we don't have any other choice. Right. So that I had somebody asking about the, in all phases, you know, there's the phase zero, one, two, three. So you're talking about when you have the passenger in the car, you've got it covered. Absolutely. So that, and that's P3, you know, so, so P1, you have the app on, you're looking for work P2, Mm -hmm in route to pick up to pick up. Um, and then P3, you're in your in ride. So yes, those, those periods are covered by our insurance P zero. We're considering you're just driving your own car and your own automotive insurance and policies, um, apply in those particular cases. 
Sure. And that's why I tell a lot of people, I'm like, you know, I'm not saying go around the laws at all, but I tell them, you know, definitely don't worry as much if you're doing like food delivery and stuff, because that's more of something for on you. Yeah. Um, you definitely should look into it. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like, but there's a lot of things like with curry, for example, like is, if I do anything with curry, I'm fully covered by them while I'm working under their umbrella. If I pick up an order, I am, it steps outside of my insurance. It doesn't even involve my insurance. Exactly. Yep. So that's, and that's, and that's in my mind how it should be. Um, so drivers are setting their rates. Drivers can negotiate their rates. Riders okay. are putting in their rates. I remember when LA did this for Uber. And they tried it at the airport for like two weeks and they were like, no way. This is way too crazy and too much of a headache. Their people are undercutting each other. And that's not something you feel like you face. You, you know, interesting. I did think that that was going to be kind of opportunistic. Uh, but currently we're not seeing that as a, as a major opportunity. So it, it's unique. Do I expect and potentially you're going to see some of those challenges? For sure. Just something uniquely as we continue to build up momentum that we haven't seen just yet. So in the other countries you're in, do you find that it's way easier to operate? I ask this because I've I've done a lot of world travel for production. And I always used to just assume that everything would be harder everywhere else. But I've learned in many countries it's much easier. Yeah, it's... I, I, you know, it's we're in so many countries that it's it's unique. But of the countries that kind of come to mind, it, there are difficulties. There's rules and regulations that we have to follow there as well. Um, but in general, it is much easier to kind of operate um, in some of those circumstances, for sure. So and then I saw this comment here. So I'm thinking the fee thing sounds scary. Um I guess my, I guess I'm wondering too, like, do you get, are, are you, are there concerns? Have there been complaints? Have there been any kind of heads up that people are making deals outside of the platform? Um, we haven't necessarily seen that. Uh, if you, but if you go back just a little bit and you kind of think about some of our operations, some of our other countries, most of those countries kind of operate on cash basis. So okay. The, the transaction is happening without any kind of go-between. Now, um, we're obviously for the connection of the passenger and driver. We're taking a commission that comes directly out of, you know, that the driver is paying for essentially, and then they can negotiate from a cash basis. Now, the United States is very cashless, and so we don't operate in that, that circumstance. So we're not having to kind of deal in that as much. So I don't have a lot of stuff coming through customer support that kind of states that uh, as being an opportunity. But remember, I'm only in one city. And as I continue to um, to grow and bring our service to a city near you, um, you know, you never say never could be a, it could be a challenge that we could be talking about a year from now and how we're going to solve it. But even if the driver and the rider can negotiate terms, mm -hmm. they're doing it before they meet. They're doing it before they meet. So they're doing it through the app. Like, okay, here was your price. I don't want that. I want this. And everything yeah. gets locked into place before they even come get you. Absolutely. So, so therefore, you, okay. So therefore it probably is yeah. fairly well covered. It, it's well covered. They, the passengers agreeing, like they know they're accepting it. They're using um, whatever form of credit card on file or Apple pay or Google pay. 
Um, and then that ride's kind of locked in. The driver knows exactly what the, the passenger um, has already paid. Like it's, it's all right there um, for you. So it isn't one of those, those circumstances where you are going to charge 35 and the passenger doesn't know it. Like they're, they're already fully aware of, of what that ride's going to cost. Right. Yeah. Um, so do you have any kind of scale? Cause I know that these Uber and Lyft are very good at hiding what drivers earn, but if in the Miami market, do you have any kind of scale as to what, how in drive drivers are doing compared to when they use the other platforms? You know, I, y yes, the, the answer unequivocally is that, so it's, it's a twofold problem, right? Um, it's a supply and demand opportunity. That's this whole business. You got to have uh, the right drivers on the road at the right time with the right passengers that want to use the service. Um, so there's always that balance. And that's the reason why surge pricing kind of came into to play to kind of incentivize drivers to kind of get on the road to, to increase supply because demand is high. Um, so it's a twofold problem. So those drivers who do rides on our platform in the South Florida area do make more money per mile per minute than they do on Uber and Lyft. Period. Right. They do. I mean, I would imagine. So like I, I live, I actually lived in Miami for a couple of years when I was working production, when I was working as, um, as a salary position and like, okay, the airport to Miami beach or to fountain blue hotel or something like yeah, those Uber drivers. And, and if they drive Lyft, they know what that pays. They know yep. oh, that's about a $19 non-surge ride. I hate these. These suck. I got to take the, 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 the causeway. I got to do this. I got to do that. And they know. So my guess is that no matter what, they're not allowing it to go under the Uber price that they know. From a driver if, point of view? Yeah. From, if they're on in-drive, they're like, they're not going to charge 19 because they, they grind their teeth about that on the other platforms. You know, it's it's unique. I have found all kinds of different independent contractors who are working on our platform, kind of setting their own scale of what the value of those rides are. So it, it's kind of unique. And I will also say that from a passenger standpoint, you know, I, I really promote and I talk about freedom of choice a lot. You'll probably hear me say it multiple times because um, as somebody that, you know, I worked at Lyft previously, I, I came here um, on those other platforms, you're a driver, you don't know who you're getting connected with. There's just a, a ride in the queue and you get paired up with, with somebody and like, that's the, that's the gig. Um, and so for me, the most interesting passenger piece that we can provide is like, you have the freedom to choose. You have a, a, a driver that's five minutes away and one that's three minutes away. Like, what, what do you value more? Do you value this person's in a Chevy Traverse um, and they're seven minutes away? Or do you prefer this one's in a Camry and they're five minutes away? And so you get to sit there and choose. Um, you get to choose your path. And it's the same, it's the same for the drivers as well. So in your example, um, you know, drivers know if it's a, it's a, if it's a pain or not. Um, I only, I, I laughed just a little bit because two weeks ago I was in Miami airport. I was going to South beach and, you know, I think I put in, I think I put like 23 or $24 to do that trip. 
And uh, I think the, the lowest one that came back was like 28 um, up to like 38. And so obviously I chose the, the one that kind of best suited me. I didn't go back and forth. I, I chose one of the driver's rates and, and onward I went. And yes, I got stuck in the causeway and the traffic was bad. And, you know, uh, but hopefully it was value for, for the, for the driver in that particular case, who basically set, he set the marketplace for me. So I see Tony asked here about, cause I, he does a lot. He lives in my market in Denver. Um, the driven dad and he does uh, a lot of uber and lyft um and he's talking here about the tier services and how um, uber and lyft took away their select and lux seems like a huge vacuum um how do you feel about that i, I or i mean to... is it is it just not even relevant because they're setting their own price <laughs> so we, we do have different models like we have a, like a, a normal like uh, you know in drive mode, we have a comfort mode. We do have a like SUV mode, et cetera. So, so yes, we do have um, different tiered services. Um, the minimum expectation for those tiered services are higher than your your normal your your normal ride. Um, so, there's some challenges in trying to understand that value proposition and, and get that message out. But it is something that I do truly feel like we need to um, continue to improve and expand those different lines. Um, so if you only want to be a, a Lux driver, you know, I, I want to make sure that I have a home for you and um, provide you the, the proper value to do that work. So when you went to South, so knowing South Beach like I do, when you went to South Beach, did you, I'm guessing you took an in-drive back to the airport. I did. Yeah. How long did that take to get one? Like, um, do you find that they're like in drive drivers all over or are they kind of hovering at the airport? No, 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 no. I, I like our, our market penetration in Miami Dade County is really good. I think it took me, I think it only took me less than a minute to start getting bids from drivers and, and mind you, like my flight home, um, like I, I was like, 4 30 5 a.m so it was really early in the morning and i think i had like four or five different bids come in from different drivers um and ultimately for me i was like who's who's the closest in that moment um and then i was able to kind of get a ride in less than five minutes and be on my way to the airport is there any rating system is there any yeah the, the same same type of rating system five stars you get to rate the passengers, vice versa. Um, th that rating is displayed for all passengers who are active, you know, active and looking for a ride. Mm -hmm. So, so for the, from the rider's sake, when I get, if I get on the, if I go to Miami and I get on the app mm -hmm. and I say, I want to ride, am I then seeing all the drivers or am I putting in what I'd like to pay first? Yes. It, it definitely starts with the passenger. You get to, this is what I'm willing to pay. And then that goes. Is there out. a guide for passengers who have no clue? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause um, that was a big debate um, as we were kind of getting ready to launch, you know, cause the, the big choices is like, Hey, there's freedom of choice. We're not setting the marketplace. We, we, we want this to be a true peer to peer experience. Right. Um, and so there was some debate back and forth. And I think we even beta tested not having that. 
Um, but on the banner, as a passenger, you're opening it up. You will see kind of a recommended price. You don't have to sit there and, and follow it as a passenger. But what we are finding that the vast majority at least use that as their starting point to, to have that conversation. And so it's really kind of based on, you know, like anything else, how, how far are you trying to go? Sure. Um, how, how, what's the expected ETA? And that kind of builds in like a base, like this is what in and around the average for that kind of time and distance. Um, so there's, there's a good starting point for you. So passengers do get to see that. So if it says, like, let's just make it easy. If it said suggested $30 or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to the airport from South Beach and it says $30 and you put in 15, do all the drivers then see 15 and start coming back at you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll go, I can't do it for that, but I can do it for this. Yep, absolutely. And then how does that work? So I'm seeing all these coming at me as the passenger? As the passenger, yeah. It, it just kind of fills up like, um, you know, I'll, I'll get eight or nine different drivers filling my filling my queue up um basically and it just kind of goes in order from who accepted the who accepted or negotiating with me and so um you get to kind of see that i know it sounds like it's this arduous difficult process and it takes it takes less than 30 seconds to go through this entire engagement, even looking at those drivers, because you kind of know what you're what you're looking for, what you want. Um, you know, you're looking for a, a roomier car because that's what you desire. You know, you're probably looking for that over anything else or, um, you know, you get to kind of just choose your adventure almost. Do the other drivers have any clue what other drivers are bidding? They don't. I mean, I've, clearly they don't see yeah. it. They don't but see it. Is yeah. there any kind of margin saying, hey, currently South Beach to the airport, people are taking them for this? Anything it, that kind of helps them a little bit to go, why am I not getting rides? Or yeah, I yeah. I, ultimately we're we don't have that kind of visibility. Like it's an interesting concept, you know. I as you're kind of saying it out loud, you know, this is really me kind of engaging with it for the first time. There is, there is something interesting there to play with. We don't currently have that. We do have, we have had drivers contact into support and saying, hey, you know, help me out. Well, give me some tips or tricks here because, you know, I'm doing X and I'm not getting Y. So it's kind of interesting that you bring it up. And it's interesting that those engagements are kind of popping up in my head. Um, so th there's something to play with there for sure. But right now that that currently doesn't exist in the marketplace, but we do try to give advice, tips and tricks to our our drivers because obviously like we want all of them to be successful. They're doing this for a reason. So they're here. They're willing to to operate and open up our platform. So we need to do our best to you know, try to make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah, I mean, I get that, and I and I'm I'm guessing almost every driver you have drives for Uber and Lyft too, pretty much. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why wouldn't they? Of course. You know? So because even I, though I mean, those are my favorite platforms. Either if I started to prefer driving for InDrive, I would still have Uber and Lyft because I want to fill all my time. And if, even if I'll make like, uh, I don't want to take this offer, but I haven't had one in a minute. It's better than nothing. So obviously, you're multi-apping and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this. I just, 
you know, I guess the fact that you're operating in so many countries, it's, it's crazy to me because like you were saying, like there's countries that are cash. That's, yep. that's insane to me. Yep. You know, cause I would think that even through these apps in other countries, they could tie in accounts or whatever they want to do, you know, but then now you've basically got like the old taxi days of people driving around with too much cash on them. Right. Which, you know, for, for many different reasons, it's, it's definitely not, something that I want to to deal with here for sure. Um, I think we have enough opportunities to to play with for sure. But yeah, you know, it is it's an interesting circumstance that that's how we were kind of born and raised to get to this point. So does D where, where is there a level where deactivation happens? Like how yeah. how would that work? Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting concept. And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to refine. You know, what is, what are some of the biggest concerns that the driving community have, right? Obviously it's commission intake rate. That's clear number one, obvious, right? Um, and then really down two or three is, you know, what a lot of drivers feel is unfair driver deactivation. Yeah. You know, one, like uh, a passenger, <clears throat> the ride is completely fine, but the passenger makes an accusation, and next thing you know, you're 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 blocked, and you're trying to navigate that system to go through it. So, I understand that this is a very touchy topic, and and something that we're working really hard to kind of develop what we're calling a safety management system. And so, in this system. It'll have kind of all of the, the circumstances, how the whole process works. Um, and, and we're really trying to work on making that as professional, as empathetic, as uh, transparent as possible. So it's not completely all the way refined. I'm not, I'm not saying that I have a full product out yet, um, but it is something that I've been working on for probably two, two straight months um, to try to solve that particular problem, or at least give somebody the roadmap. If you are deactivated, here's your roadmap. This is the steps that you need to do to, to at least be heard, to, to try to understand. Um, but right, we do you, were, you were priorly with prior Lyft. with Lyft. Yeah. So I'm going to say like, you are very familiar with wrongful yeah. deactivations. And I'm, I know there's a lot of right ones too. There's a lot of people who are deactivated for a reason who say they're not. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of wrongful ones. In, and we all know you don't get a reason. You're just deactivated. I, yeah. It, and it's, yeah, it's, um, and that's partly an opportunity at scale. So as you kind of get bigger and bigger, if you don't have that part really figured out and honed in right from the beginning, um, becomes a very overwhelming problem because it is much easier for an analyst who is seeing a thousand, two thousand, three thousand deactivations come through their screen to start clicking buttons. And sure. that that is <laughs> not that's not what you or anybody else want to hear. Like so trust no. me when I say that. Like I I understand, but I'd rather like have a, a real conversation with you and you know mm -hmm. open have this conversation so yeah i mean there's like I'm, I'm glad that you're all about transparency too because i am and to be honest i mean for the companies that don't that aren't transparent whenever they talk to people they're not transparent either they're just never transparent 
They're just not transparent people. They don't, they literally practice non-transparency. They have teams that hide things. We know this. Um, Gary Middleton here is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Middleton Tech, but he has a couple apps that are like filtering apps. So like Maximo does uh, Uber Lyft and it does, I think, Grubhub and Uber Eats as well. Oh, cool. Where you can set, you know, I want to make this much per mile or I want to make oh. this much, you know, you, you, there's all kinds of parameters you can set. And so he's having users in Australia ask him when they'll be adding InDrive to Maximo. That's awesome. So, like, I, I, so I you heard to, that, Gary. He said that's awesome. So there you no, go. No, I, I love to like, <laughs> like, look, I, I'm not in the business to not have everybody win and be successful. Like, I like nobody wins if the driving community is being taken advantage of and kind of hurt or devalued. Like, like who who's winning that? Even as a passenger, if you as my driver are not happy with you know, the, the economy, the gig economy app that you're working off of, how likely are you to provide me a really good experience? And like overall, so as a passenger, I want to make sure that the, the person that's actually providing me a product or service is being taken care of. So like if, if there's applications out there and, and, you know, much smarter people than I out there trying to figure out how to make, um, this community successful, like, shoot, I'm, I'm for it. Sign me up. I'm, I'm here. For Gary's it. been doing it almost 10 years. And it, what it does is when you have all of them on and you're multi-apping it actually, when you pick one up, it turns all the other ones off. So you don't have that screwing around or going to different screens and uh, turning everything off yeah. and it turns them all off. And then when you're done with the ride, it turns them all back on. I love that. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, gonna be, I'm definitely checking that out like post this yeah. combo. So that's cool. Yeah. Thank you. It's, for, uh, uh, it's middletoncheck.com. So yeah, you'd want to, I mean, he has other apps too. He has one specifically for DoorDash and stuff, but it's just, it's a way to not have to. Yeah. I mean, Gary just said it here himself. It's a safety tool. And I think that is, I know Gary very well. That is how it started for him because yeah. we all know that in food delivery, you get a minute to accept that order. Right. But in rideshare, you get like five seconds. You know, it's like you're in an intersection. They literally don't care about safety. We've been all around this. So, um, yeah, Gary'sApps.com. So, I love um, it. Well, thank you for sharing. I just I wrote that down. So, I'm because I'm guessing that what he would integrate is something saying so that way, if people aren't seeing any orders, they'll know they've set their threshold too high in Australia, or other drivers are taking it for much lesser. So it's a learning tool too. I mean, it's it's a way to say I don't want anything less than a dollar a mile, or I don't want anything any or anything that goes over ten miles. You can set parameters on distance, all that kind of stuff. I I absolutely love that. I mean, that sounds like a, a great tool to sit there and maximize a driver's capabilities. So like, amazing. Yeah. Love. Yeah. So the other apps hate it. You guys love it. I so I mean, like that's a good thing right there because the other apps are like, listen, that's you can't use those tools. Why? Uh, I, like no, I already I, said in the, in the beginning, you know, you're an independent contractor. It's your toolbox. It, it's, your, you it's your tool. It's your your toolbox. I want you to be successful. Like I, I want to be able to provide you a marketplace and opportunity that you're going to set. Like I need you to set it. Um, I don't have thousands of engineers. You know. In a in a back room programming algorithms all day long, so like 
you know, any tool that's going to help you as an individual be successful, like, yes, I'm, I'm going to be supportive. I, I really will publicly, yeah. privately, like I'm here for it. Yeah. And that's good to hear because you were talking about legislation earlier and there's going to be a lot of it this year. A lot of and it. I think that a lot of these companies are going to really find themselves in more lawsuits than they've ever seen in the past this year. Um, because there's a lot of stuff about acceptance rating and all these things that they're not supposed to be using that they use to uh, placate the drivers and, you know, almost like a, a virtual threat. You know, your acceptance rating is getting low. Well, acceptance rating doesn't matter. I can, I can have it be at 1%. So, you know, it's, it shouldn't even be a, something that I see. So what are you talking about? Um, good, good news. It is definitely not even a metric. It's nowhere in our nowhere in our world whatsoever. So yeah, I can't see how that would be. And especially because you were talking about static pricing and how that's where you're, you really want to go. Yeah. I think every look at, even if, even if the drivers don't like it, the amounts or whatever, I, I don't understand why all these companies don't go to a static. I'm not saying it has to be like 10% or 5%. Sure. But why they don't just go to static. Cause now it's taken a long time, but the, the riders are starting to pick up on this. Yeah, they're now they're now having those conversations that for some reason we just didn't have for years with the drivers. Like, how much are you getting? Because I paid 150 bucks. I'm getting 25. Yeah, I'll tell you that that conversation is for sure happening with a lot of passengers and, and drivers. Um, and then just independently talking to passengers, that's not me and not my own individual experience. I, I definitely see. Um, there is concern. I, I'll tell you that there's a large contingent of people who are high active users of rideshare and, and the services that are provided by the driving community are empathetic to the fact that they want to make sure that drivers are paid fairly, you mm -hmm. know, and, and as I think about our own company um, mandate in, you know, and our CEO talks to me all the time about making sure that I'm looking at the social issues, I'm looking at the injustices that kind of exist in this space. And, you know, he challenges me, like, what am I doing about it? Like, how can I make this better, more um, fair and equitable as we kind of continue to go through this experience together? So, um, so I'm definitely empathetic. I hear, I hear this feedback. I really am concerned about it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing things, you know, I'm seeing Edward asked here that, you know, do you have a cap on drivers in the Miami market or will you in other markets or other countries, or do you try and make it so that it can't be 10 times oversaturated and there's just really not a lot of work for people? You, you know, it's, it's interesting when you think about, there's certain places in the United States that have different, regulations on how many active drivers can be mm -hmm. uh, out there on the road. So in those circumstances, for sure, I'm going to have to, to engage that thought process because operationally that's what we'll have to do. Um, you know, currently like I'm still the small fish in the, in the big pond. So currently but you're not, you're the second most downloaded rideshare hey, in the world. We absolutely don't like, I, I love my company. We're doing some great stuff, but I'm the small fish here in the United States. I'm looking to uh, continue to get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. Um, so in current situation in Miami, I definitely don't have it capped. 
um, because that isn't a, a current circumstance. That's an opportunity yet. So ask me that question six months from now, I might have a completely different answer, honestly. Okay. So there's people asking how, how long will it take you to get to DC? Um, can we sign up in the U S I tried to download the app, but it doesn't show USA. So what, what can people do in their markets? Like I know that when Curry was starting up, when I started working with them three years ago, they were kind of just starting up and they, they basically said, we're in any, we're in NFL towns. That's how they threw it to me. And he's any city that has an NFL team. That's where we are. And now they're everywhere. So, but they did take people and put them on wait lists and not run their background check until they were in their market, just to know what demand they, or what allotment of drivers they had, what size vehicles they had before they started picking up customers. Yeah. So what can people do that are in other, that aren't in Miami? Like one of the things that we will start to do when we are kind of evaluating a marketplace, we start with a bunch of digital tests. So you'll start seeing different things pop up in your city. Um, that's going to be targeted to people who are interested in, in rideshare, obviously. And so once you kind of get to that point, um, if you interact and engage with that, um, that definitely kind of helps you in that, uh, that process. So there's multiple digital tests happening in multiple, multiples of, uh, our cities here in the United States. So, um, be on the lookout. Um, so definitely coming soon. Like it, so how many how many drive how many drivers I mean maybe you don't yeah. want to say the exact number I get that or maybe some idea like how many drivers do you have in Miami? Um, close to 20, 20,000. Okay, okay, wow. So you guys probably, I'm guessing you did a lot of promotion because you wouldn't be even known. <laughs> so so one of the targeted reasons why we chose. Miami very specifically like you know I, I've, it's said global. I've said it I've said it publicly yes we're global <laughs> uh, Miami is very culturally diverse many of the the people actually know our brand so there's instant brand recognition um, in the marketplace so getting that kind of early adoption and get those early adopters into our platform um, was successful like I, I really only had it in my mind, like, okay, if we had like two or 3000 drivers to start, like, you know, this is kind of in my head. Um, and I think we, I think we started with well over 10, 11,000, uh, to, to launch. So obviously exceeded my expectations. Um, so I'm happy that we were able to do that. I'm, I'm thinking through like, how do I do it in a, in a market that has never heard of us and, um, and, and do that. So that might be a little bit of a challenge. Now I'll have to be very smart about how we spend marketing dollars, um, to engage with everybody. So stuff that I think about for sure, things that keep me up at night. So Gary is, he's in Florida. He's two. I know that he's two hours from Miami. And so he's saying, because I know I actually know where he's going with this too. I know Gary very well. So he's I know he's trying to sign up so that he can go down and test it and try and sure. see how it could how it could work into his into maximum. Mm -hmm. So if he's two hours north and it's showing that you can't sign up, what does he do? Or can he not because he's not in Miami Dade? Yeah, I, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, I need to sit there and look. We, 
my understanding is you should be able to download it, but it will show it's like, hey, we're not in active in your city yet. So these are kind of some interesting, uh, you know, pop-ups that are happening because uh, we're currently not live in Atlanta. Um, I opened it and tested it today for for something else that we're trying to, to accomplish and do. Um, so, you know, let me get back to you and then we can kind of communicate with the uh, community and I'll get an answer for you. So if somebody wants to go to Orlando, mm -hmm. the in-drive driver can do that. They just, they're going to have they to can. use Uber or Lyft to get home. They, they can. And that, that is a, ironically, that's a very popular, um, yeah. that's, that's a popular ride destination. Um, way, more than I expected for sure. Cause that's a, that's a long well, it's ride. Disney. Yeah. It's Disney yeah. though. It's, it's a long ride. So those uh, couple hundred dollar trips um, are worth it for some people for sure. Yeah. So I'm guessing with you in Atlanta um, that that's hopefully a target city of yours. I'm just guessing. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, like ultimately it's, it's so many different factors um, and we just want to be smart and like grow effectively efficiently you know um like the the good old days of of rideshare at the very beginning there were so many like incentives being thrown out to get as many people signed up as possible um and it kind of just kind of diluted you know how do we build this organically and sustainably over a long period of time and so how can i sit there and do that and not make any of those same mistakes <clears throat> Cause we can all pay for passengers. We can all pay for, for drivers by giving some incentives, do a hundred rides. I'll give you, you know, 500 bucks. Like we can all do that. Um, but in the end, the, the, the crushing pressure of, you know, actually making it to a viable business becomes overwhelming. Um, and so I don't want that stress or that, uh, you know, I'm already getting gray hairs. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to, like make it full grade just yet. Give me, give me a, a couple of years, please. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge for sure. So I, I would say a variety of factors continue to go into our expansion plans. Um, you know, we, we want to kind of understand, um, have several team members in, in different states, um, different cities right now, um, talking to drivers, um, talking to passengers, kind of getting a lay of the land understanding what, what the pain points are. Um, and is there an area that we can positively impact the community? I think is very high on my list to, to be able to accomplish. Can, can I do that? Indrive.com. That is correct. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I thought, yeah. I mean, I only looked it up on the app store, but I'm guessing that Gary already looked it up. And yes, that's right. So for those of you that want to know, it is indrive.com. Um, and I know that a lot of you are going to be frustrated because you can't sign up for it. So, um, but I, I at the apologize. same time, know that they've know that they've, they've they've entered the U.S. They're here. I mean, for they've been around since 2013. They haven't been here, but they're here now. So maybe, I mean, we've seen this with many companies. They start in one city, and then you know, I, I think one of the most recent that I remember was Metrobi. It's like a courier service that started up in Boston. Now they're like in 30, 40 cities. Interesting. So when it does pop, it pops. You know, and maybe you'll be in a few more markets or whatever. I didn't know if there was a way for like if people download the app, if they yeah. instantly go onto a waiting list and therefore you're seeing the uh, amount of people wanting to use and drive in each city. Um, 
But from what I'm gathering from some of the comments, you can't. I would guess you can download the app, you guys, um, that are saying that you can't. But it's probably, like you said, it's probably just saying that it's not in your market yet. Yeah. And like I said, I'll definitely get back to you for sure, because um, you should be able to download the app there for sure. So we'll, um, we'll look at it like that. No, Gary, they're in a lot of countries. They're in a lot. Um, in fact, yeah. I was, you know, I just, I, I know we're kind of wrapping up on time here a little bit, but I was noticing that, um, when was this January 23rd that you guys were, and I have to, I have to, my feeling is, is that this happened because you're allowing people to be transparent and call their own numbers. But in the Philippines, they let you guys start and that's the LTFRB, the land transportation franchise and regulatory board. But then they, um, but then they suspended after they allowed you your operation permit, and I'm guessing it's because you don't operate on the corporate sketchy scale of Uber and Lyft, or yeah. not Lyft, but Uber and whoever else may be there. Yeah, you know, it like everybody has its challenges. We'll, we'll have our own city to city, and like you know, like Denver's a great city. Um, there's definitely some different uh, challenges in getting a driver onboarded in like Colorado than it is in Florida. So I, I would say that for the Philippines and some of our other locations, you know, there's, there's definitely conversations and, you know, <laughs> things that you have to do and navigate through in order to make it happen. So now, now Gary's saying that because I said that they're, they're in 45 countries and he only showed four. He's saying, hey, I didn't make the app. I'm just telling you what I see. <laughs> no, no, no problem. I, I, I appreciate your engagement and wanting to, to check us out, Gary, for sure. Thank you. I mean, Gary, you even yourself said you got, and I know Gary does have a lot of Australian users. You said that you got Australian users wanting to use it. So you know it's in Australia. And it's, I just said it's in the Philippines. I know that they're in a pause there, but I feel like that's just kind of some political corruption, to be honest. Um, that's just my feeling. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But then I also see like, where, where else was I looking? You guys are in, um, uh, in Africa, you know, you're in, uh, yeah, my, um, my, my friend, um, was just in Cairo this last week, um, and used InDrive for all of his rides in uh, Cairo, Egypt, which is really cool. Gave me a lot of feedback. Thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, so basically you're the, you're, you're on that scale of, I'm trying to think of the other one, like Ola, Didi, yep. those, like those are, are like competitors of yours. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They are. Um, they are. Yes. Yeah. So, and they operate, those operate much like Lyft and Uber. They're just straight. Here it is. Pay this. You don't need to know what the driver's being paid, whatever. Right. Um, so I, I like this. I just, I really want to see it build out. You know, of course I do. I, I want to see rideshare drivers have another option because I also, yes, yeah. you were with Lyft and I, I mean, who knows? You probably have some things you can't say because sure. you, you signed some forms or something. But at the same time, I don't know how Lyft survives much longer. I just don't. Because like you were saying, like the, they're putting all their money into signing up other drivers. Why aren't you putting it into the drivers themselves? Yeah, it, it's an interesting dichotomy. I mean, like I have a lot of uh, friends and a lot of respect for the for the people there. There are a lot of good people at Lyft. Sure, I, I do. I do understand the the 
pressure of you know that performing and making sure that that bottom line is taken care of so that the shareholders are taken care of and like the pressure um so i I totally get it. I understand um, there are some really smart and capable people there. Um, so nothing bad to say, like, you know, it, it's an industry. I want to be able to provide a, a third option. You know, exactly. and, it, and it's a different option too. It's not just it's another, right, exactly. that's my point. Like you're saying third option, but to me, it's not, it's a, it's a totally unique one because the other two are exactly the same. Yeah, I want to I want to be able to give the marketplace something different for both passengers and uh, drivers for sure. So that's definitely what we're what we're working towards. And then I guess one of the last one of the questions I didn't ask you that I, I probably should ask is: Is there a do you guys have uh, like years or type of cars? Like, what can somebody register? Yeah, I have to sit there and look. We we do have like in Miami. Can you take a, a 1995 250,000 mile no. car and put that on in drive? No, you, you can't. Like there It'd are just be some... the low ball or the bottom feeder. That's like I'll take you anywhere for a dollar. Yeah, th there are some boundary conditions for sure. Um, absolutely, there are. Like it, like it's important because you want to be able to build a product. Um, we want to be able to build a product that a consumer will want and appreciate and be a part of um, because I really want those passengers and these individuals that you guys are taking around um, every single day. I want to make sure that they are like, you know, excited and want to use the app again and again and again, and, and hopefully continue to improve driver's earnings as we go forward. So, so you download the passenger app, not the courier app. Uh, yeah, there we do have different lines of business in, in different countries. We're, we're only doing rideshare currently in the United States, but we have different courier services, handyman services um, that are kind of built on like the same system. Oh, I think he's saying that the passenger app is the driver app. Though. Oh, yes, it is one app. That is, okay. that, is a, that is correct. So the passenger and driver app are embedded into one. Okay. That's, that's interesting too. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I would think that might be a logistical nightmare, but I guess not. You guys would have probably chose to not have it be a nightmare, but I don't know. This all sounds great to me. And I love any, any challenge to shake up the rideshare community because I don't think, I don't think they play above the, I know they, I'm, I'm going to just say it because you probably can't, but they don't play above the boards. They don't play on any kind of fair boundaries with the drivers at all it's and that and when you were talking about gamification that really gets me going too you know because i i just don't think those kind of incentives should it, exist because when you get those it's telling you to me anyway it tells me this probably isn't worth my time if they have to gamify me to say hey take 10 rides and we'll give you like no it shouldn't be that way i should be able to make money on just doing the job and that's and for me that's our you know, one of my mandates that we're continuing to work off of, like, how do we make this transparent? And how do I, how do I make, like, I don't need to, I, I don't need for us to be wildly profitable, like, but I do need a sustainable business for sure, so that I can continue to, um, you know, operate in this world. So, but the long story of it is, is like, ultimately, how do I sit there and 
um, treat people fairly, transparently, making sure that you are in an opportunity to make and maximize your own individual income. Like sure. if I'm able to do that and turn a little bit of profit, like I, I promise like things will be good and I'll be in uh, California before you know it. Well, come to Denver first because California's <laughs> just a big old mess. And uh, I know there's a lot of people in here in big markets that would love to see really anything but probably especially something like this where they're calling the, they're calling their own shots a little more because this really doesn't exist on other i can't think of another platform where this exists i work some courier boards that are websites that aren't curry that aren't freight that aren't dispatch that aren't the apps and they kind of work like that like a bidding system but there's no app that's letting you call the shots and like we were talking about everything's dynamic and that really messes up the whole system well, because you, it's unpredictable. Like you, it could change day to day. You could do the same trip five days in a row and have five completely different results. And so, um, that can be confusing and, and frustrating. Yeah. So it looks like Gary's already working on it. Boom. He's, he, he's on it. Yeah. Don't, don't download the courier app. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm so, glad to see that we have a, a, a new download um, of our application. So I appreciate I'm, it. I'm glad to hear you guys have 20,000 potentially drivers in Miami. That's I, I didn't expect you to say that at all. I, I expected like I, and, you know, 5,000 tops. And, and to be honest with you, I definitely was uh, pretty unexpected as well. But I'm obviously very grateful for everybody in Miami that has signed up. Um, and has chosen to give us a shot. So I'm thankful. All right. Um, well, is there any, any last words of wisdom from you before I wrap us up here or um, anything that drivers can, can do or can put, try and, I mean, I'm so used to telling people, look, if it's not in your market yet, download the app. It, it at least signals right. the company that you want to be on it in your city. But um, it sounds like they're not even able to do that. So I'm not. I'm just not sure what advice to give people other than just hang tight and see what happens. Yeah, so, like continue to continue to be on the lookout. We'll definitely make it known. Um, I, I look forward to being able to kind of talk about future expansion plans very shortly. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to kind of create some buzz and uh, kind of get this thing going. So I look forward to being in many of y'all cities in 2024. All right, guys, you heard it here. So make sure that, you know, just keep an eye out for them, you know, and if you go down to Miami, try it out too. I mean, I know all of us rideshare drivers, if we do travel, you know, we like to, if I go, I'll try it for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to use that over Uber and Lyft. I'll download the app and try it out. I hope that you do. I'd rather, I'd I'd like to see that work so I can come back and talk about it, but yeah. But I yeah. would absolutely love for you to come check it out, um, you know, and I look forward to, to getting feedback from you, from your viewers, from the driving community. And we're, we're going to continue to uh, refine and, and make this a little bit better um, as we go along. So uh, keep it coming for sure. So, Adam, thank you for your time. And everybody, thank you for watching and all the listeners. Thank you for listening to the audio podcast and um, watch for InDrive in your market. Um, you can, I mean, go check them out now. Go look at their website. Go see what they do and go read a little more about them. I was earlier. And so 
Um, you know, it's just, it's very interesting. It's very different. Um, but when they do come to your market, something you'll want to get on right away, as he just stated, there's already 20,000 drivers in, in Miami. So clearly it, when it does get to your market, sign up right away. That's, that's my advice. Cause I always say sign up for every app anyway. So I, I need y'all, I need y'all's support <laughs> as, as we continue to try to be a, a viable third option, uh, in this marketplace. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Adam. And uh, we'll see you back here uh, a couple times this week and next week for the podcast. So uh, be safe, earn smart, and uh, be good to each other, everybody. Peace. She was just a baby.